Welcome to the Institute for Person-Centered Care podcast, where the principles of person-centered care come alive. Before we get started, if you'd like to learn more about what to expect from this show, please take a moment to listen to our introduction episode. In this bonus episode, the leadership of St. Ambrose University's Institute for Person-Centered Care discusses the need and the pillars of the Institute for Person-Centered Practices and the goals of the Institute. This week's podcast host is Executive Director of the Quad City Health Initiative, Nicole Kartner. Quad City Health Initiative is a cross-sector community partnership collaborating with the Institute and other Quad City organizations in creating a healthy community. Welcome to the St. Ambrose University Institute for Person-Centered Care's podcast. I'm Nicole Karkner, Executive Director of the Quad City Health Initiative, and I'll be your host today. I'm looking forward to talking with representatives from the Institute for Person-Centered Care about the Institute's work and also what person-centered care actually means. So our guests today are Ann Garten and Melissa Scherer, and let's start by just asking you both to tell us a little bit about yourselves and what your connection is to the Institute. Ann, let's start with you. Thanks for having me. This is great to be here. Um, my name is Ann Garten. I am a nursing faculty within St. Ambrose, uh, and I'm also uh, recently taken on the director for the Institute for Person-Centered Care. Um, I am um, a transplant to the Quad Cities oh, about 20 years ago and have worked in a number of areas within um, both higher ed, nursing, and um, high schools. I taught in the high schools uh, many moons ago. Great. And uh, Melissa, how about you? Uh, my name is Melissa Scher, and I am not a transplant to the Quad Cities, but I've been gone for 20 years. So I was born in this area, and now I'm back um, to work on the Institute. I'm also a professor here at St. Ambrose in public health. Great. Wonderful. So, you know, we've heard this term, person-centered care, and obviously you've created a whole institute around this concept. Let's uh, talk for a little bit about what that concept actually means. So, you know, Anne, when you talk about and explain what the Institute does and what its vision is, how do you explain what person-centeredness is? I think it has two parts. And if you look back, it re it's about relationship care and uh, pulling in that piece with your uh, pr the provider building a relationship with that patient and not only the patient but also their family or their chosen caregivers so that that person um, is at the driver of their care but it's also about the right per, um, care at the right time at the right place mm -hmm. so it's that bigger picture um, as world the World Health Organization states um, so that we create better better uh, communities and healthier communities and, you know, those of us who work in or around healthcare, we've heard some other terms and concepts over the years, kind of talking about addressing the whole person, you know, thinking about things like patient-centered uh, medical homes. So is this idea of person-centered care uh, something that builds upon other work in the field? Definitely. So in the past, many of us uh, that have taken care of patients have heard patient-centered care, client-centered care, and now it's moving to the person. We're looking at the person at being more holistic rather than 
uh, a disease process. So we're no longer treating the disease. We are engaging in the care of the of the holistic person. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so one of the other things we talk about a lot in terms of what creates health is that we really do need to be thinking about all of the factors in a person's life that contribute to their health, right? We all know that our own health behaviors obviously influence our health, but we also need to consider the environment in which we live and, you know, all of these other socioeconomic factors that contribute to health. How does that all play in in terms of thinking about the care that an individual needs? I think many of us lately have been hearing the word social determinants of health. That's not new, (laughs) but it's more of that buzzword right now. So um, food insecurity, uh, uh, insurance, uh, education level, culture, even to the point of things, concepts that we're going to cover in podcasts in the future, spirituality. Uh, what, what is their nutritional education versus where they are in, in our community and living and what's available to them? Um, those all interconnect uh, education level. So if we, ha- we have to look at the whole person holistically mm-hmm. to then delve into why is it that they're uh, using the emergency room as their caregiver versus using some of our local organizations to um, provide their, their care. Mm-hmm. So if we don't ask those questions, we're, we're not breaking down those barriers for them or, or helping them break down their barriers because they should own it as well. So giving them the, the understanding where they're coming from as well as helping them with that connection is going to better serve our entire community. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes a lot of sense. So, you know, it strikes me, too, that this is kind of thinking across traditional healthcare sectors and public health. And, you know, Melissa, as as your role as a faculty member in teaching public health, you know, how do these concepts of being person-centered manifest in, in what you're trying to share with students? Yeah, that's an excellent question. I think some of the things that Anne's talking about is looking at these multiple ways I as an individual engage with healthcare or any type of care to help me better meet my needs in the community. You know, biological factors are things that can't be changed, but these socio-ecological factors, you know, these issues related to education, your behaviors, the culture, your spirituality, all of those things are adaptable and to really do person-centered care from that holistic perspective, you need to think about the person in his or her environment and examine what strengths are there and maximize those strengths. It might come from a health system. It might come from uh, somebody's church or... um, School nurse. A school nurse, absolutely. Criminal justice systems. Yeah, so, yeah, it's multi-determinant, right? And I think that's really reflective of what we have in our university in terms of the different individuals we're preparing for the workforce, not just in the College of Health and Human Services, but beyond as well. So it's very important. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that raises sort of an interesting question as well in thinking about this concept. It it really does include and require participation of all sectors of our Mm -hmm. community, right? You know, that's something that we talk about through the Quad City Health Initiative, the importance of cross-sector work to create a healthy community. How do you see other sectors of the community contributing to advancing this concept of person-centeredness? I think if we're if we're using the goals of the institute is engaging in the conversations that we are um, starting to work on and and being partners with other organizations to uh, assist with uh, what is the definition, what is the barriers, how do we help. 
our, our students and the workforce become it make it become easier for them to make it second nature. So for instance, we know technology is is just gonna keep growing in healthcare, in education, those types of things. So how do we use the evidence to build our workforce to improve and to de decrease those barriers and make a better healthcare system? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, in thinking about the, the vision and the goals of the Institute over the next year, you guys have kind of three pillars, as I understand it, right? Could you speak a little bit to that? And, you know, what are what are kind of the, the groupings of work that you're hoping to to accomplish? Certainly. We have three pillars, workforce development, continuing education and research. Our workforce development is looking at what are we doing within our curriculum uh, in at St. Ambrose with all of our uh, different entity professionals, OT, PT, speech therapy, nursing, so on and so forth, to make them more verse in person-centeredness. Those of us who have been practicing for a, a long time, we've been able to practice those things and, and be able to communicate. And so we're giving those students those opportunities to improve those practices so when they're going into the workforce, that is second nature mm -hmm. to them. So the uh, continuing ed, we are, oh, I'm gonna go back to the, the, the workforce development, sorry. We are actually leading in-person centeredness with workforce development and five other universities across uh, North America and Canada to be part of a plain tree uh, program that is uh, building the competencies for all schools. Of, of health and human services. So we're really looking forward to being a part of that journey and being able to disseminate that information with those other organizations in, the, in a couple years. And Plain Tree is a model? Yes, so Plain Tree has uh, been around for about 40 years and they are the experts in person-centeredness and already uh, engage in, in research and disseminating that information. And there are actually organizations that are certified in person-centeredness. Uh, we have a couple in Iowa, actually. And um, so they have decided that there was a gap between schools and then in practice. So there's where they took what they have in the competencies for healthcare organizations and said we need to create the competencies within the schools uh, of health and human services so that we can bridge those gaps, close that. Within continuing education, we're doing things like these podcasts. We're also doing conferences. Um, we're looking at a couple other um, areas that we can build to uh, improve on, on continuing education within our community and region and, and still working on that a little bit. But our conferences, we've had two so far. One was an abstract based and the other one, uh, what we had experts coming into the, the community and sharing their expertise around person-centeredness and things like technology, open notes, things of those types of natures to, to help the region become more verse in that conversation. Again, there are practices that are in our community, but not enough people know how to use them yet or how to communicate about them or advocate for them. So we're, we're working on that. We have a, a conference coming up in May around social determinants of health 
and person-centeredness. And that's gonna be an abstract-based conference. So having organizations in the community share their good work, their evidence, so that we can build upon that in and build that relationship within the, our region to improve the community. Mm-hmm. And what are you recommending in terms of who should attend these types of conferences? Is this something that's relevant to individuals as well as professionals? Correct, so across the spectrum, so organizational leaderships within healthcare, within school systems, criminal justice, some of these conferences will a, a community member may be interested depending on where they they work but it may not be um Ann Garten that's retired might not be interested in them because they really are focused on educating our healthcare uh, providers but the podcasts certainly these ones are going to be for the community as a whole uh, for instance we'll have one on nutrition and how do you advocate for yourself uh, and and ask the questions about how to improve your health related to nutrition and we'll also have uh, a, um, a local surgeon talk about uh, spirituality and burnout so there's that's another topic uh, so lots of things coming down that will help not only the providers learn about how to communicate this, but also the person that's receiving care to uh, know how to engage and ask the right questions and be part of their care. Great. And, and, you know, as individuals, we obviously can all understand how that's important when, you know, we show up in need of care, wanting to wanting to have an understanding of what role we play in determining our care path and hopefully working then with providers who understand that as well. So uh, research is the third piece. And uh, Melissa, I know that that's an area that you're working with the Institute on. So as you're thinking about the research agenda for the Institute, what, what topics are coming forward? Yeah, that's a great question. And, you know, we're going to talk about research now. So everyone needs to wake up. Um, And actually, research, we all know it informs policy and practice. And we're at the university really talking about research with a capital I. So the I really focuses on implementation and implementation science. And it also, we're really focused on listening to the community and having the community be part of the research process to identify what the needs are. So we've, we have a small uh, community research group with individuals from all of our health systems, also some of our social service agencies, and also at our university to try to reduce the gap between research and practice, to push out there what we know works well and to get it into practice so people are seeing it on the front line in either social service or in health um, systems as well. So ideally, we want to use our skills as an academic institution to go deeper into the community so we're looked at as a resource and so people are using us. The things that are coming up are things that you found actually in the QCHI, the, our Quad City survey, um, issues related to mental health. Right now we're working with the community research group to focus on social determinants of health. And so ideally when individuals come into healthcare or come into social service care, they're screened to look at the strengths around the social determinants that surround their life. And then we can use that to provide better, higher quality services for them. We're really looking at increasing the referrals and linkages between our existing agencies. The Quad City, the area, our area in particular, is um, really collaborative. So Mm -hmm. how can we use that as a strength to increase individuals getting the services they need. Mm-hmm. And that kind of goes back to that idea too of social determinants of mm-hmm. health, right? And, and thinking about what Anne said earlier in terms of what contributes to health. Mm-hmm. 
Absolutely, absolutely. That's key and part and parcel, and that's why the next conference is going to focus on that. That's why the community research group is focusing on that. And quite simply, it's a need in our nation. Um, and so we're just really reflecting what we know exists in our nation and how we can better improve the quality of care, access to and quality of care that we're getting mm-hmm. as individuals, as consumers, and then as, you know, ideally trying to push the envelope in our area as well. I think we want to be the model for for the country. Mm-hmm. I think in the last podcast, Tom talked a little bit about being by state and having to uh, work through policy, things of that nature, because of where we're located. And I think we in this region have a lot of great things going on. So we need to share. I always call it share shamelessly and mm-hmm. and engage and and uh, I think these three areas these pillars are great ways to help that uh, the region do that as well as push out some fantastic pr- pr- providers in our future um, out of Ambrose. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and there's definitely something special about the level of collaboration that exists mm-hmm. in the community. So this is yet another way to build upon that foundation of collaboration, get people to be thinking across sector about what. Does does create health and then how we can work together across organizations to create a healthier system. And and we're starting to get that a little bit. Um, they're realizing that we are well versed in uh, person-centeredness, so coming to us to help them uh, educate their providers um, within an organization and, and we look forward to being part of that partnership. That's great. That's great. So definitely serving as a as a resource for the community, being able to support work with new research and then thinking about workforce development and continuing education opportunities. So, well, it all sounds like it's going to be a very exciting couple of months for the Institute for Person-Centered Care. So uh, Anne and Melissa, thank you so much for sharing your perspectives and some of the upcoming activities. And we look forward to hearing more in future podcasts. Thank you, Nicole. Thanks for listening to the Institute for Person-Centered Care podcast, brought to you by St. Ambrose University's Institute for Person-Centered Care and KALA-FM. Next month, we will be discussing spirituality and person-centered care. You can learn more about the Institute for Person-Centered Care by connecting with us on Facebook and Twitter. And be sure to learn more about our May conference focusing on social determinants of health and person-centered principles by clicking the link in our episode notes.